This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hi, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, where we provide a place of connection, rest, and encouragement for everyone who is on the journey of living out their passion and purpose in Jesus Christ, just like us. So grab your coffee, grab your friend, grab a couch, and get comfy with us as we begin. I am joined, as always, my name is Sister Miriam James, by my two wonderful, illustrious, amazing, gorgeous friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. Good afternoon, ladies. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> Boy, I like that greeting. Beautiful and illustrious. Yeah. I don't think anybody's Throw there. some more adjectives in there for I'm, I'm, I'm going to look up thesaurus.com yeah. and um, I might have a few more for you by the end of the show. You never know. <laughs> so today we're going to delve into the Gospel of Mark. And actually, Michelle is going to lead us on this journey. But she, we're going to talk about Talitha Kum, little girl arise, and especially for us as women, uh, what Christ is saying to us. So, Michelle, you want to talk about that and set us up for the afternoon? I would love, love, love to. Um, I think this is one of my favorite gospel passages, but you'll probably hear me say that about 25 or 30 different gospel passages um, as we go on. But there is something about little girl arise. You know, there is something powerful about this whole gospel discourse and Mark. And um, I think there's a lot that we can break open with this as women. I think there's a lot that we can break open. This is just Christians. But for us right now, we are in a season of Lent you know, which is um, dying to ourselves and rising with Christ in his resurrection. And so I think this is a beautiful invitation that the Holy Spirit is just offering us. Okay, where um, do we need to die? What in us is dead that needs to be brought back to life? Mm -hmm. And what is God trying to do with us in his resurrection power? You know, I think we only, um, I do not even think we get we get such a small amount of God's resurrection resurrection power that he has to offer in our lives. And he wants to offer that to us. But with that being said, I'm just going to hop in the scripture in Mark. And, um, I'm going to start with probably Mark um, chapter five, verse 32. And I'm going to go a little bit before a uh, little girl arise when Jesus encounters the hemorrhaging woman, woman. And um, for those of you that are listening to our podcast, it is like um, in the book of Mark chapter five, verse 32. And, um, Jesus is, uh, about to encounter the hemorrhaging woman. And it, he says, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, who had reached out to him. Then the woman, uh, knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't fade, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him and he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talutha, come, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. 
He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give him, give her something to eat. There's just so much. I mean, you could start with so much in this. Like, I think for us, the reason why he was late for me, Jesus was late is because of the hemorrhaging woman. You know, Mm -hmm. that is why he was late. And a good friend of ours, um, Cal always says, you know, before we can arise, we have to stop hemorrhaging, which always just really stands out to me. You know, like before we can fully arise and become, um, you know, who we are in God's resurrection power, we have to stop the hemorrhaging. We have to stop where we are bleeding out. We have to stop where we are hurting. We have to start where um, sin has a hold of our lives. You know, we have to stop hemorrhaging. And both of these um, examples, the hemorrhaging woman and little girl arise are just amazing examples of how Jesus just encounters a person. He comes to them and meets them in their situation where they are. Like they don't have to clean up or get perfect to encounter him. He meets them where they are. And, um, you know, like, has there been a situation for you where you have just encountered, you know, Jesus meeting you where you are and him displaying his resurrection power. And I mean, in your life, you know, um, Heather, you know, I have to admit that, uh, I've been a Catholic my whole life and pretty involved, you know, kind of like my mid teenage years had a deeper conversion. And I, that was the first time that I really encountered God for the, for in a tangible way. And I knew that he saw me and that I mattered to him. Um, but then as I went, you know, I graduated, went to Franciscan University and was very involved in ministry and all of this stuff. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I finally had an experience with something that, you know, well, I mean, there was some earlier experiences, but I guess there was this belief that I had in my mind that God wasn't really about healing us now, that it was about mm-hmm. heaven. It was about us just carrying our cross and suffering through until we get to heaven. And then that's when we're going to experience the real resurrection. Mm. And that God would intervene in some magnificent ways. Um, Like when I was, you know, a a teenager, my dad was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and he was in advanced stages and he had a miraculous healing. Like just one day he was riddled with cancer. And the next day, you know, after he had prayed and asked God to heal him, there was no cancer in his body. You know, I mean, I saw massive displays of God's power. But as far as it being for me and it being personal and it being about something in my life that wasn't like a physical healing, it was it was more emotional or whatever. I guess I just had this belief that, you know, these are the things that we always carry this tape of negativity in my head, how I feel about myself, my identity, whatever it might be, that these are the things I'm always just going to have to carry. And this is part of carrying my cross. And I don't mean to dismiss, um, you know, suffering and carrying our cross by any means at all, because there is redemptive suffering. And there are things that, you know, we're called to, to journey with Christ into. But for some reason, I didn't believe that God really could raise us from the dead places in our heart and we could experience freedom and new life now on this side mm. of heaven. And I don't know how I missed that. I, and I don't think I'm the only one that as a devout Catholic, I somehow missed that this was a reality that God wanted to be lived out and experienced in my life in a personal way. So in my, in my 20s, I experienced that for the first time where, 
you know, we had gone, my husband and I were going through some, some inner healing and there was disruptions in our marriage and things that were really difficult that he was journeying through and that had in turn hurt me and things that I just was hopeless about, like this will never, ever change. And, um, and God intervened, not instantly, but over the course of a journey and us inviting him um, to bring complete restoration and healing. And it blew my mind. It literally blew the doors off. It flipped everything on its head about how I was approaching God and how I was praying and asking. You know, and I think in both the stories that you mentioned, Michelle, um, there was somebody that went to Jesus and asked you know, they, mm. they reached out to him. They went to him. And I think that's the difference. We're not the ones that are going to bring resurrection in our own life. And we aren't the ones that are going to stop the hemorrhaging. But we do need to be the ones that open ourselves up to the encounter with Jesus. And he does all of the healing that happens. You know, there might be work on our part specifically like, okay, I need to go see a counselor or I need to, you know, pray about this. But God is the healer. And, uh, and I believe that now more than ever in my life. How about you, sister? Well, I love both of these women in this story. I just, I, I love this from the gospel of Mark. It's by far one of my favorite passages. And I, I love, yes, there's so many things about it that I love. And I, I was just particularly, I'm always struck with the hemorrhaging woman and just her utter desperation. And I mean, I think many of us know that if you're hemorrhaging as a Jewish woman hemorrhaging, she's also considered unclean. So she is ostracized. And she's alone and she's isolated and anything she touches is considered unclean. And she's just completely all by herself. And don't we know that? I I think all of us have had those experiences at times where you feel totally alone and totally isolated, or you have a struggle that you're having, or you you have a feeling or something in your life where you, you know, the, the lie says, I'm the only person that feels like this. I'm the only person that's ever had this happen to me. And so we just struggle in our isolation. We try to cope very well. We try to manage our lives, but life, you know, wasn't meant to be managed. And I just, I love her just complete and utter desperation of, I'm just going to go and touch this man. And, and I, it's just the whole story of her touching him and the power going out of him. And then for Christ to turn around and call out her witness, she's going to make a first, she's going to make a public witness to the entire crowd there of what Christ did to her and just the kindness of him, you know, Jesus so kind to her saying, you know, go in peace, you know, my daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you well be healed. Like his desire, like you were saying, Heather is, is to give his desire is to heal. And I too grew up Catholic and it wasn't until in religious life, I was in the religious life many years when I hit bottom emotionally, just struggling with a lot of things that were uh, just fruits of a, of a tree that had deep roots of trauma and abuse and things like that, that I had to finally come to some sort of healing. I was hemorrhaging in so many emotionally and spiritually And it wasn't until uh, I really felt convicted that I had to do something about it that I began to meet people on the journey who really believed in the healing power of Christ that really I could see that in their lives. And they invited me along the journey as well. And just allowing Christ to come into those areas of my hemorrhaging, where for so long I tried to manage it on my own, when I allowed him to come, and still to this day, that he comes into all the parts that are broken and messy and um, hopeful and all, all the parts of me, that he brings resurrection and healing into that. But it really wasn't until I began to start to get honest with my life. Uh, and that's really Christianity, like any relationship, requires honesty. And the more honest we are and the more receptive we are, uh, the more power the power of Christ emanates through us. So that's kind of what comes to my mind as I reflect on that. Mm, That's cool. How about you, Michelle? I think for me, um, once again, it is, and I said this in an earlier podcast, it is the, this is the Jesus that I love, you know, 
like um, Sister Miriam was saying, you know, someone that is hemorrhaging is unclean. You know, he seeks out the lost. You know, it's um, this beautiful tension. Like she comes to him, the hemorrhaging woman, she comes to him in desperation, but in faith, the last resort. And he comes to her, like, and meets her where she is and heals her. And it's by her faith, you know, there's something bigger than her, but she has to have that gift of faith because faith is really a gift, you know, but it's a gift that has to be, it's almost like a muscle that has to be used mm-hmm. and it grows. Um, you know, and for me, I realize, um, really like as I continue to journey with the Lord, that the faith is really a muscle, like it has to be used. And when I step out in faith, I get a glimpse of who he is and realize he's trustworthy and he is who he says he is. And so then again, it makes me take a bigger step of faith. Okay. And my confidence grows in him and my faith grows in him. I'm like, okay, I can do it, you know, but not really. I can do it. He can do it through me and in me, you know, but where, um, your trust begins to grow, you know, and like that muscle gets bigger and gets stronger. So you can step out in faith. And, um, I just think of both of these stories, um, how personal of a God we have. And like sister was saying, just that isolation and thinking, all right, I'm the only one. Um, he sees both of them, you know, he really sees both of them. And it's such a personal encounter with each of them. And, um, just, Every time that I can, you know, just little things like even our home that we just moved into about six months ago, we, you know, my husband and I have always been on mission or worked for organizations where our housing was included and to watch how he provided this home for us. Like it was beyond miraculous, the kind of this house that we, this beautiful home that we have, but it's so first, like he knew what stirred my heart. He knew what I loved. He knew, and he doesn't give generosity for prosperity's sake, you know, like, look at them, like, well, no, he always provides an abundance, like, um, for to be generous, to give, so we can give to others also, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is, you know, the story of our God. So to jump to Little Girl Arise, uh, this story fascinates me because um, I really feel like one of the things that stirs in my heart is women, um, especially, but everyone, but women being wide awake and fully alive, because I Mm -hmm. think a majority of women are sleepwalking through our lives, myself included, and been really focusing on this and myself for the last year or two. I think we sleepwalk through our lives. I think we're numb a lot. Um, I think we numb out. I think um, that we don't even know what our heart needs or what makes our heart become fully alive. And the danger in that, I think, especially in women, is because we and women in the core of who we are, um, are life bearers, Mm -hmm. and we are hearts. Mm -hmm. And so our our hearts are not fully alive. We are the heart of the body. We are the hearts of our families. We're the hearts of the community. We are not not pumping blood to the rest of the body, you know? And that's dangerous, you know? Um, We're not fully functioning, or we're not fully being human, and fully... um, being what we were created to be. I mean, um, and right now more than ever, I think the world and the church needs life and needs um, women becoming fully alive, you know? And so I was just going to ask, you know, the questions, like, hey, like what areas in um, your life do you feel like you are asleep or sleepwalking or feeling that numb, that numb feeling, um, you know? 
sister? Well, I think that I, one of the things I learned about myself, which is as a woman, I've been in a religious life, my gosh, almost, almost 20 years, I think like um, 19, 18, 18 years, but just learning as you journey as a, as a woman and as a person. And I think last year I hit a major milestone in my age <laughs> and I'm like looking on the internet going, is this normal? Like, do I do normal people have like a crisis around this certain age? And I just, did you buy really... a Corvette or something? <laughs> it was the Maserati. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Uh, and I was thinking to myself, you know, just really pray. It was, it was a real prayer in my heart of like, Lord, what, what is this in my life? You know, what, what are you calling me to? What is in this stage of my life, the season of my life, as we often say, and I knew that there were some things in my life that I really had to get honest about areas of just deeper uh, hope that needed to be healed, areas of deeper sorrow that had to be faced. And I had this image of kind of like, you know, uh, I know Heather talked about snow in one of our podcasts that was snowing where she was. And I just had this image of myself, part of my heart of like kind of ice over these brilliant red berries. And it was just my heart to pray that the Holy Spirit, like we do that with the, you know, the Veni Sanctus Spiritus, you know, melt what is frozen and warm what is chill. To allow God in myself, really in those areas of my life to go deeper, to unfreeze what's frozen, frozen through either childhood trauma or frozen through my own, I don't want to face that in my life, or I don't want to face this particular emotion or face this particular person or things, areas of my life where I'm resisting the providence of God. I really felt convicted, and I do to this day, of, of this deeper journeying with Christ into these areas where I'm dead or areas where I've just given up. And I've just said to myself, well, that's never going to change. And I'm never going to change. And, you know, all of us, I think, probably have parts of our personalities that we just feel frustrated at times. And just just buying into that lie that it's not going to change. And I just am so encouraged over and over and over again that it's not me. It's not up to me to fix myself. That if I focus my gaze on pride, you know, look to the Lord and be radiant, that your face may not blush with shame. And to, as you said, exercise the muscle of faith to entrust my past, present, and future into God's hands who loves me, who has begun a good work. I think that is one step at a time where his grace and mercy can heal the frozen parts of my heart and bring it to life. Mm. I, I kind of want to call you Elsa right now and start saying you <laughs> let it go, but I will. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't do that. So that's awesome. Yeah, that is great. Heather, what about you? Yeah, the, the numbness, you know, is definitely a reality, ongoing reality in my life. And it's one of the commitments that I made, you know, to myself and to God several years ago was to try to live my life fully awake, fully alive. And what does that what does that mean? You know, and and I think a lot of it has to do with truth for me, that when I'm living in truth, I can become fully alive in the truth of who I am in God's eyes and who God is to me. And, you know, there there is definitely a, a significant root of fear in my life. And that has, you know, controlled a lot of who who I am and the decisions that I've made over the course of many, many years. And the enemy, as we <clears throat> he doesn't have power over us. But he has influence when we give it to him, you know, and because I was giving into the fear, he just had a lot of influence in what he was speaking to me. And, and it really was becoming a dead, cold place where God's hand was not there, that I really was, I was afraid in deep, deep places leading into, you know, different levels of anxiety and whatever. But it, it I just didn't know if God was going to come through in different places. I, I didn't know. I, I wasn't coming with that gift of faith. And I was believing more about what the enemy was saying than about what God was saying. And, um, and I think, you know, as I, as I started to encounter 
the risen power of Christ that is alive in me. Like in Romans 8, you know, it says the power, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. I mean, you want to talk about empowering. <laughs> we feel lost or that places are, are dead and beyond the reach of God. Like that power is living, literally living within our bodies right now. And mm. um, that that place is accessible to each person, that that place will not be overtaken by the enemy. And I think as I've let the light and truth of God come in, it, I, I agree with you, sister, that image of thawing like that is so relevant to to how different places are locked up or dead in our hearts and when they experience the light and healing and restorative power of God's love that that we are set free. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think always we should be kind of in the Paschal mystery cycle in our life that there's times where we experience death and sometimes we're suffering and sometimes we're rising. And, you know, I'm I'm in a place of, of I'm rising out of out of some dead places and Amen. and it is fully the power of God that is active Amen. there. So I'm I'm personally seeing some fruit right now in my life um, that God is restoring some things that have been lost and really you know the the action on my part was just like in these stories. I just had to reach out to him and say, You're the one, you're the only one that can heal this. And, uh, and, and then allowing them to do it, you know. So how about for you, Michelle? <clears throat> I, yeah, I think the significance that, of this, just that numbing or frozen, as sister was saying, is um, it's hard when you're going through the day-to-day, the mundane, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's the when you get in the mundane of the everyday, little parts of you start to numb, you know, mm-hmm. and little parts of you. And you experience it also when you're experiencing big events in your life, but it's, you don't notice it as much when it's in the everyday life, the mundane. And I remember for me, this is a journey that God has me on for probably like five or six years. And I do really well with it, or I fall back into really, um, on life giving patterns. It just depends one or the other. But I think for first and foremost is, um, for me, it's just acknowledging it and noticing it that I'm starting to shut down or I'm starting to numb or I'm starting not to feel, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, for me, like the first time it happened was like six years ago when we were going through the adoption process, the, um, paperwork, and I've said this a couple of times when I've spoken, but the paperwork for adoption is grueling. You know, I always say adoption labor in pregnancy is much harder than natural Mm -hmm. pregnancy and labor because it's exhausting all the paperwork. But I remember one time they were asking me like, what are your hobbies? And at this point, I had four children under seven years old. And I'm like, hobbies? I don't have hobbies. What and is I this really, you speak of? <laughs> yeah. I have like an identity crisis. I'm like, my only hobby is being able to go to Target by myself with a cup of coffee. Like, that is my hobby. Like, this is what I came for the world, you know? Like, yeah. seriously? And I had like this huge identity crisis. Like, what? I mean, yes, I had my family who I love and my faith, but there was something more God was showing me. You know, there's something more that he had created for my heart to become fully alive. And then when we um, moved here a year and a half ago, there was just that same feeling because I was moving and adjusting my kids and I was doing things and I felt like I was really good. But I was noticing I was starting not to feel my life. I realized I had to just take a step back and ask a question. I was managing my life extremely well, like I was managing all my children and activities, but I wasn't feeling my life. You know, I was more about my to-do list than I was about experiencing what was going on around me. Mm, 
and I realized, okay, like, I think this, especially for women, is so important is to do heart checks. Where is your heart? And ask yourself these questions. You know, really ask. Like John Paul II talks about it in Theology of Body, that original solitude, you know. But to really step back and ask yourself, okay, what makes me become fully alive? Like what things spiritually make me become fully alive? Physically make me fully alive. For me, creatively, you know, what kind of environments? And um, we need all of the above emotionally. Like we're not just a spiritual being. We're also a physical being. We're also an emotional being. Like those have to be integrated. So to start asking the questions, you know, and they're hard questions because you really have to think about, it, you know, um, not like trick what uh, test questions, but just like hard. I mean, like stirring questions. So like what makes you become fully alive, you know, um, in any of those areas, Heather, like physically, spiritually, emotionally, like. Mm-hmm. You know, can you even answer some of those questions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think so. Um, for spiritually, I would say like when, when I have my eyes fixed on Jesus, like that unwavering gaze on Jesus and I'm deeply connected to him, like I feel that intimate connection with God, that's when I feel most fully alive spiritually, you know, <clears throat> when my, I'm not, my eyes aren't wandering around, you know, and I just feel like I have my eyes on you, whether it's a storm or not. Um, that's when I probably feel most fully alive there. I think emotionally, when I'm not hiding, I can hide or run from emotions. I get very, I'm a very sensitive person, I've realized, um, even though I can come off very strong and, you know, that I can handle a lot. I'm extremely sensitive and I feel things very, very deeply. And so sometimes because that gets overwhelming, I can run from all of that. But that's not who I am. You know, I can shut it down and just be like, nope, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to feel that. Um, so when I allow myself to feel even the depths of some of those things, you know, I'm more fully alive. Yeah. And I think the activities and things like I feel fully alive when I'm collaborating with other people, when there's a creative element. Like I painted my son's room last year and it was right before we were having company. I don't know why I chose that time. Normally I, I would totally like, I would be totally stressed out, but there was something about it that was I was like, I love this. I love just being in here painting. I was doing this cool mountain thing in there. And I just realized, you know, I, I'm not giving myself that space to be creative. I was really into art when I was younger. And for some reason, just let that become replaced with busyness and other things. So, yeah, I think there's a number number of different levels that I've experienced. Wow, that makes my heart come alive. And I think that's when I have to pay attention and go, OK, I need to make space for this in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, sister? I think for me, I, one thing I learned about myself, I'm very introverted. So I do need silence. And I, the, that first time in the morning when you wake up and you get a cup of coffee and it's before our holy hour, I just, I will be by myself for a long time before the holy hour even starts. And I, that time is where I talk to the Lord and we talk about the day and uh, meditation that I do in the morning. And that's for me, I've realized that when I don't have enough silence, I just, it just kind of unnerves me. Um, I love being with good friends. I think laughing, I love to laugh. And so Mm -hmm. I notice when I haven't laughed in a while, that really does kind of suck the life out of me. And I have to say, I'm an athlete at heart. And I've noticed when I kind of forego exercise because I'm quote unquote too busy, it really does take its toll. So for me, even going for a walk, I try to go for a walk every day and, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour a day. I can't tell you just that really that managing of that time saying, Oh no, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to listen to a podcast or just listen to some music that I love and just go for a walk. The small things like that, that I think really add to um, a life where I can live more fully alive and then, and give the best version of myself to others. So 
it's kind of what comes to my mind, but and what about you, Michelle? Aside yeah. from coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. Coffee, coffee, and then yes. more coffee, the, all of the above, you know, for her. It makes me come alive. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Come alive, literally. Um, yeah. For me, spiritually, it's having that prayer time and that prayer space. Um, and with that environment's a big deal to me. Like, um, it, I'm not into fancy, but there are things of beauty, like candles, flowers, um, you know, beautiful arts, um, like that kind of stuff makes me become fully alive having that around, you know, um, I love to support like individual artists and stuff like that. That makes me come fully alive. I have to sweat at some point. I'm not nice if I don't exercise. Um, I'm actually really mean if I don't exercise and that makes me become fully alive. Like Heather said earlier, I love to gather people. I love to gather creative women. I love to gather all kinds of women, but I love together, you know, um, whether it's big or small, um, any kind of creativity, any time where people can bounce ideas off of stuff like that is really good, but I have to make time for that. You know, like I totally have to make time for that. And, um, also like sister was saying, I have to put a Sabbath in my day. Um, I'm very extroverted, but it's funny as extroverted as I am, I love to be by myself. And I love quiet. I have a lot of kids. They're really loud, you know. And so I have to have some kind of um, quiet time, you know, Sabbath downtime in my week or um, in my schedule. So, I mean, for us, just starting to ask those questions, like as the women and other people that are listening to ask the heart questions and do a heart check and to say, okay, where is your heart and get that pulse. Mm -hmm. So you realize it, you know, and um and just see, okay, what does God stirring in your heart to sit so he can be saying to you, he is saying to us right now, little girl arise. So what is he stirring in our heart for us to arise? Mm-hmm. So this brings us to our fun part of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At the end of every podcast, we do a one thing. So what is your one thing for the week that's just will bring in your life or just absolutely speak into your heart, Michelle, what's your one thing for the week? For me, this is going to totally um, date this podcast, but oh, well, haha, is one of the things that I found um, fun this week was the Academy Awards. And so oh. <laughs> Yeah, totally yeah. found that fun. Um, Viola Davis's acceptance speech was brilliant. She could read the phone book and it would inspire me. Her voice <laughs> is just amazing. Yeah. You know, just talking about the ordinary person, it was awesome. And the mix up at the end was uh, with the best picture. That was, I was shocking. Like, I was shocked. I was like, was am I, yeah. I was sleeping and I wanted to wake him up. Like, you just missed this. You will not believe what happened. And my poor La, I mean, I was excited for Moonlight, but my poor La La Land didn't get it, you know? I was trying to fast forward it because it was so unbearable for me to watch. Like, I almost threw up because I was like, I I just was feeling like that. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't watch this happen. This is so bad. Well, I thought they were pulling like a Steve Harvey joke. I'm like, that's really not very funny. You know, like it wasn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cruel. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, what a major faux pas. A fox pass there. But that guy was so gracious. The the guy from La La Land when he said, I'm so so proud to give this to my friends. I was like, oh my gosh, you're a champ. Way to go. Yes. And you kind of want to hug the um, envelope. Um, stuff because you know he's just getting he's a lot fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, Heather, what's your one thing, girl? You know, the it's starting to change seasons up here. Mind you, we we it's a little bit 
you know, sporadic. It's going back and forth between spring and snow. Um, but I was starting to see the buds on the trees coming out. And anytime that starts to happen and there's more sunshine happening, like, oh, that is, it is good for my soul. Mm-hmm. Like to get out and have a walk and just be outside. And the beauty of where I happen to live is absolutely stunning this time of year. So, yeah, that's just, it is good for my soul. Just that, just being outside and encountering the beauty of God outside right now. How about you, sister? I think for me, it's a book by Dr. Mary Healy, who's a Catholic biblical theologian and or a scripture st- scholar. And she is uh, wrote a book called Healing, right? It's very simple. And about the biblical call of healing and Christ's mission of healing and how just like what we were talking about today, that Christ is healing right now in our day and age. And it's really a great thing. She's featured on this documentary called Fearless that's coming out on March 25th about healing ministry in the Catholic Church, which I can't wait to see. I think it's going to be fascinating. So, yeah, her book is Healing by Dr. Mary Healy. So (laughs) we'll probably have a link to it uh, on our website. So that's that's my one thing this week. Well, ladies, it's been a sad as we have to say goodbye here, but uh, we pray you, dear listeners, that you would hear God's call on your life this week, that he would say to you, little girl, little boy, arise, it's time to get up. And you can find more information on our podcast on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Please re- leave us a review. Help us reach as many people as possible by going to iTunes and clicking on reviews and ratings and leave us a review. If you want to have a drop us a comment or you have a question, email us at hello uh, at abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Dot com. And until next time, we will be abiding together with you in Christ. God bless you.